Hey, how about a, uh, how about an, an immiserated slave elf who has internalized the class antagonisms of his master wizard family's ideology? How about that? Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's throw that in there. Chapter 2, Dobby's Warning. I guess Bushy's real name is Dobby. This chapter has the distinction of having the worst opening sentence to a chapter I've ever read. Like, not just of the Harry's Potter chapters, all of the chapters of all the books I've ever read. Here it is. You ready for it? Here it comes. Harry managed not to shout out, but it was a close thing. I'm going to repeat that because it needs to be repeated. Harry managed not to shout out, but it was a close thing. Harry managed not to shout out, but it was a close thing. So, first of all, the choice of diction here is just bizarre. It's like an alien wrote it, or at least someone who isn't familiar with the strictures of English at all. Harry managed not to shout out, but it was a close thing. I just want to belabor this for a second because this is instructive about how bad the writing is on these books in general. So in terms of sentence construction, we have an independent clause and then a conjunction and then another independent clause. And in narrative writing, this construction usually means that you want your readers to know the first thing first because it's like primary information that you need. And then the second thing is generally the important thing. It's the new information because that's how the narrative arc works. So it's like background and then a new thing. And the reader experiences jo enjoyment from this. Uh, phenomenologically, it's like, okay, so here's a thing I know, and then, oh, that's a new and surprising thing. I like that. I want to continue reading. It's not like we're writing fucking memento here where everything is backwards. But so this sentence, back to this sentence, which, if you recall, Harry managed not to shout out, but it was a close thing. So the important new information here is not whether it was close, but whether he shouted out. Also... I would have used the word scream here, but whatever. Maybe he was giving a shout-out to his homies. Like, oh shit, someone's sitting on my bed. I want to give big ups to the Dago crew, keeping it real out there on the streets. Big T's out here. What's up, Big T? Little Shorty, how you doing? So, like, here's what the sentence is trying to say. It was close, but Harry managed not to scream. Or, to actually add primary information that is just completely missing from this sentence, something like, Seeing the figure on the bed, Harry almost screamed, but managed to hold it in. There are probably 50 decent ways to construct this sentence, and the author went with, Harry managed not to shout out, but it was a close thing. I seriously read this sentence like 16 times, just like, mouth agape, like I was watching a car accident, like, what the fuck is this shit? I mean, I know I made fun of the many turrets and towers sentence in the first book, which is still awful. But, like, this sentence, as the first sentence of the chapter, the one that's supposed to relieve the tension of the cliffhanger, the one that's supposed to propel you into wanting to read this book after the tedious expository summary of the first chapter, this is bad. This is truly bad writing. Harry managed not to shout out, but it was a close thing. A close thing? 
That seriously, that seriously sounds like when people are like freestyle rapping and they have to set up a punchline with like something that rhymes, but it doesn't really matter if it makes sense. Like some kind of throwaway part to like this multi-syllable rhyme scheme. It was a close thing. I'm boasting. I got flow schemes. I got the most bling on my toe rings. Like the next sentence doesn't even rhyme. It just describes the thing on the bed as a creature with like bat ears and tennis ball eyes. It was a close thing. And so then Harry sees the creature on the bed with the tennis ball eyes and is like, who the fuck are you? And the thing's like, Harry Potter, I've always wanted to meet you. And Harry's like, shut the fuck up, weirdo. And then the creature says that his name is Dobby the Elf Man or something. Actually, he says Dobby the House Elf as opposed to Field Elf, I guess. And Harry's like, yo, I'm not really in the mood for some magical whimsical bullshit right now, dude. And so then the House Elf gets all sad. And Harry's like, sorry, sit down. And then the house elf starts crying. And Harry's like, oh no, I didn't mean to offend you. Like, Harry thinks that telling the elf to sit is like some culturally insensitive shit. But then the elf explains that no, he's just never been asked to sit by a wizard. He's never had a wizard treat him like an equal. Side note, are we still supposed to like wizards? Because apparently every wizard that this dude has ever encountered has been just a giant piece of shit to him. And then just as the reader is, like, starting to feel sympathy towards this weird elf thing, the narrator's like, he's an ugly-looking guy. He looks like an ugly doll. And so it's like, oh, okay. Is the narrator a wizard? Why is he being a dick to this elf? And so then Dobby, the elf, starts banging his head on the window. Like, dude, calm down, buddy. And then he explains, I'm not making this shit up, that he is bound to serve one wizard family for life, and then, because he almost spoke badly about that wizard family to Harry just now, he knew that he had to punish himself, like a thought crime. So, okay, the slavery parallel here is bright and garish. I get it. And then the elf is like, oh, I'm going to have to punish myself just for seeing you. I will accomplish that task by shutting my ears in the oven door. And then if he doesn't punish himself enough... His master family reminds him to, and they will never set him free, and he will die a slave to them. So we have this, like, self-flagellating slave elf, and and that's just a thing that's happening right now that we have to deal with. And so Harry hears this, and he's like, hmm, I guess the Dursleys aren't that bad after all, am I right, people? And, like, what a weird thing to think immediately after hearing about this poor creature's miserable life. Like, ha, at least I'm not as pathetic as this dork here. My life is slightly better. And then Dobby the Slave Elf is like, You are so kind. I have heard of your greatness, sir, but but of your goodness I never knew. And it's like, oh, Jesus, dude. Like, apparently you don't have to punish yourself for speaking in hammy cliches. And then Harry keeps getting reminded of his friends from Hogwarts, and it's all, like, really painful to him. Like, just thinking of his friends is giving him PTSD. It's like, don't worry, dude, you'll see them again by, like, chapter 5, probably. Oh, and also, Dobby the Slave Elf is wearing a pillowcase, which I think is, like, a nod to, like, sackcloth worn by the toiling classes. So here we have, actually, for the first time in this book series, an actual representation of lower-class life in this universe the sort the the toiling masses as it were and his purpose of course is not to be an end in himself or to be anything other than simply a human portent uh an omen a warning of the consequences for our hero he is nothing more than an instrument to serve the plot and in his actual life he is nothing more than an instrument so this is like narration is mirroring the exigent circumstances of this poor pathetic creature's immiserated life 
And he's like, I am risking grave danger to tell you that you are in grave danger. Don't come back to Hogwarts. There's a plot to kill you. Dobby out. Oh, but first let me bash my head in with this lamp. And so then he bashes his head in with the lamp. And then Uncle Vernon, independent as a hog on ice, comes barging into the room and yelling at Harry for making noise. And then when he leaves, Harry is like, see, this place sucks balls too, so Hogwarts is the only place for me because at least I have friends there. And then the slave elf is like, oh yeah? All your friends that never write you letters, you son of a bitch? And Harry's like, hey, wait a minute, how do you know about that? And then Dobby is like, well, because I've been intercepting the letters, which I suppose telling you kind of throws that whole plan out the window. And then Dobby gives him all the letters, and Harry gets really excited to read them. And so then Dobby is like, oh, see, the plan was to make you think your friends would stop caring about you so that you wouldn't go back to Hogwarts. And it's like, yeah, no shit, dude. You literally just explained that. Why are you explaining that again? And then Harry's like, give me my letters. And the slave elf is like, no, fuck you. You have to say you won't go back to Hogwarts. And Harry's like, no, I will not say that because I do want to go back to Hogwarts. And Dobby's like, fine. And then he fucking runs out of the room and down the stairs. Oh, man. You know, when Dobby finds out what Dobby did, Dobby is going to be pissed. And then Dobby is, like, about to push Pudding off the cupboard, like a fucking cat knocking a vase off the table or whatever. And he's like, say you'll never return to Hogwarts. And Harry's like, I can't say that. And Dobby's like, fine. And he knocks the pudding off the table and comes crashing down and chaos ensues. And it's like, hey, Harry, have you ever heard of a little thing called lying? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Just tell this fucking freak that you won't go back to Hogwarts. That's all you need to do. And so, of course, the crazy fucking aunt and uncle get all upset, and then a fucking owl swoops in and drops a letter on one of the house guests, and the other house guest is like, oh, she is mortally afraid of all birds, by the way. Just thought you should know. And then they storm out, and they're all mad, and Dobby, it pieces the fuck out, too, and Harry reads the owl's letter, and it's like, we received word that you used magic, which is a no-no in the off-season, so if it happens again, we will expel you XOXO. Sincerely, the insanely creepy Big Brother-esque organization that doubles for some reason as a bizarrely ineffectual educational institution known as Hogwarts. And then Uncle Vernon is like, Ha! You can't use magic. I'm going to imprison you in your room for the rest of the summer, and if you use magic to get out, they will expel you. Yep. Hogwarts. We closely monitor your use of magic, but could care less about the physical and mental abuse you suffer at the hands of your family. So Harry gets locked up, and he's only released to use the bathroom, and he has concerns that he might starve to death. Like, that's a thing that's happening. And then he has this dream where he's in a zoo, like, caged up, and everyone is, and I'm quoting here, goggling at him. And then he wakes up, and someone is goggling at him in real life, and it's sidekick Ron! Fuck yeah, baby, the boys are back in town, sidekick Ron is here to save the motherfucking day, and that's the end of the chapter. All in all, weird chapter. You could have given me a thousand guesses as to what was on Harry's bed, and I don't think I would have come up with masochistic slave elf. But there you have it. And I kind of like the elf, though, like the, the idea of the elf, and at least he adds some much-needed what-the-fuckery to this story. Opens up a lot of questions. Who is his family? Who is his weird wizard family that is awful to him? What is this plot against Harry? I think as a device, he works... I wish he wasn't such a moody dick. I think as a character, he makes no sense. Like, he's trying to straddle this line between trickster, puck-like character, but then also sympathetic, downtrodden figure. And those don't really work well together, because it's like, are we supposed to feel sorry for him? Are we supposed to laugh along with him? Are we supposed to be angry at him? What is our attitude towards this character supposed to be? 
he's just like, you're so great and nice to me, Harry, and also I'm totally gonna fuck you over and make your life miserable, and I'm really sad because my wizard family is mean to me, and also I'm a total dick. Also, I'm gonna remove any sort of agency from you in your ability to make your own decisions about what you want to do with your life, but it's for your own good, I swear. And we have no choice but to, because we don't know what the plot is or whatever, we have no choice but to side with Harry on this and just be like, this guy's a fucking dick. But then we're also supposed to feel, feel sorry for him, or at least, like, think that he's pathetic or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're supposed to feel towards this character other than confused. So, if that was the goal, congratulations, narrator, you have successfully confused the shit out of me on this one. Also, Harry is less sympathetic in this chapter than he typically is. Not sure what that's all about. Maybe his years of abuse are finally starting to manifest the sorts of pathologies in his personality that you would expect. I honestly don't think the author is smart enough for that type of thing, but maybe. Maybe. But at least Ron's back, because we want to move this story along. And that's a way to do it.